This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge, your favorite go-to podcast about weather. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I would like to thank you for joining us from our Weatherworks headquarters in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me, as always, is my cool as the other side of the pillow co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Well, you're outdoing yourself with the introductions, Brad. Uh, cool as the other side of the pillow. Why is it nice to have the <laughs> cool other side of the pillow? Why is that even a good thing? I, I, I just think because we're going in the summer, you know, I figured we, you know, we talk about some cooler <laughs> other side of the pillow. But that's how you are. You're just kind of cool like that, you know, just kind of cool. Everyone wants to be around you, Mike. Oh, yeah, everybody, I'm sure. But uh... well, you know, I'm just trying to keep it fresh, you know, while we're, you know, getting into some of this uh, late spring, <laughs> early summer time weather. Well, hey, we're finally shaking that winter chill for once. Thank yeah, goodness. I, I mean, it's been lagging and dragging on for a long time here in spring. But anyway, uh, you know, it's time to start thinking about hurricane season and what to expect for the upcoming summer. I know, you know, not too far from when we're recording this, it's going to be in the 90s for the upcoming weekend. So um, pretty excited about that one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that brings us to our guest uh, today from uh, here in the Weather Lounge is Kyle Leahy. And uh, Kyle is a meteorologist here at Weatherworks and specializes in long-range forecasts and the tropics. He and meteorologist Kevin Winters put this outlook together for us. And uh, Kyle is here to discuss what they are thinking for the upcoming hurricane season and what we can expect for summer here in the Northeast. Welcome, Kyle, to the Weather Lounge. Thanks, Brad. It's uh, nice to join you and Mike on the podcast today. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, of course, the, the big question is, Kyle, let's start off with a look at the upcoming Atlanta hurricane season. It actually officially begins on the date of this airing podcast, June the 1st. So, uh, you know, um, what, what's a, give us a, like a like a overall broad brush of what's going to probably happen this year. Basically, I mean, we don't really see too many stark differences from last year. Uh, it's probably going to be another relatively active season. Um, it looks like we're probably going to see some storms in June and July, uh, but usually these are weaker. Uh, a lot of the time, these are tropical storms, weaker hurricanes. Um, and then, you know, following climatology, we're going to start to see a peak in activity kind of August, September with some stronger storms occurring then. Uh, and even maybe some storms into October, November, thanks to the pretty warm, uh, sea surface temperatures now. Um, but yeah, um, it's looking like the East coast could see another pretty active one this year. Yeah. So, I mean, do we have, uh, those exact numbers on this, uh, that we're actually going with here at Weatherworks? Uh, I know you guys, you know, just created the forecast not long ago. And I think, you know, if we could kind of give those numbers to our listeners and uh, kind of compare that to average a little bit so they know, you know, how active we're talking about. Yeah. So in terms of total name storms, we're going with between 15 and 19 uh, throughout the season. Uh, for hurricanes, um, we're going with 6 to 10. And then for major or uh, cat 3 or higher, we're going with uh, 2 to 4. And again, most of those are going to be in uh, August and September with 9 to 11 name storms through then. And pretty much all of any major hurricane activity as well with 2 or, uh, two or 3 around that time. Gotcha. And like comparing that to normal. So how, how, what is a normal season for name storms typically? Um, 
it's usually slightly less. I mean, you're usually talking around like 12 to 15, 13 to 15. So it's not like a hyperactive season um, like we saw a couple of years ago. Um, but there's definitely a chance of seeing some above normal activity. And again, I mean, we'll we'll get into why, but there definitely are some uh, signals as to why this could be another pretty, uh, pretty good one this year. And of course, you know, there's a, a couple of other popular uh, hurricane forecasts out there. Colorado State, of course. Um, um, and so, of course, uh, you know, NOAA puts out there and, and they're about the same uh, looking for an active season as well. Um, like you said, though, Kyle, maybe not as a hyperactive season as it was a couple of years ago when we almost exhausted yeah, yeah, the, exactly. uh, the Greek alphabet that year. Um, but we'll talk more about that as well later. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so let's let's go through the reasonings. Why are you and Kevin kind of seeing uh, an active uh, hurricane season again this year? Mm-hmm. So um, as we've been in over the last couple of years, we're probably going to be dealing with more uh, La Nina conditions, which is just uh, pretty much cooler than average temperatures through the tropical Pacific. Uh, we're again in one now. Uh, temperatures uh, in the Central Pacific are around one degree Celsius below average. Um, we're probably going to be lifting out of the Nina technically, like as we get into the summer, like once we're into August and September, there is a chance that we can get more towards neutral. Um, but there is like a two to three month lag. So in reality, we're probably going to be like experiencing March or April sea surface temperatures by the time we get to uh, the late summer. So I know we covered... El Nino, La Nina in the past, um, you know, a lot of people out there, you know, listening probably are thinking again, you know, w- w- why are those tropical Pacific waters so important? Why does that have an impact on what's going to happen for hurricane season or what's going to happen in the, you know, continuous United States there? Yeah, I, I guess kind of what Mike you're saying is, uh, what, what do we care about the Pacific when we're here on the East Coast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're, sure, they're, exactly. they're, they all go hand in hand, right? So if you could kind of just explain, like, what kind of effects that La Nina or El Nino do have on the atmosphere and, and why it's so important to hurricane season? So a lot of the time, the, um, the change in the sea surface temperatures in the Pacific can determine where uh, convection or like thunderstorm activity sets up throughout the tropics. And in the case of La Nina, what ends up happening is a lot of the westerlies uh, get weaker. So that will decrease the amount of wind shear uh, across the uh, Atlantic Ocean. And all that that means is that um, the difference in wind between, let's say, the surface and higher up in the atmosphere is lower. So it'll be easier for uh, tropical systems to kind of organize themselves as opposed to getting kind of ripped apart, um, which is more likely to occur during an El Nino where those westerlies get stronger. Right. And that's the important thing to know about hurricanes is that, you know, hurricanes like, you know, those lighter winds uh, aloft. They they don't want a whole lot of wind. It's a little bit different than what you would typically would think about when you're thinking about severe weather here in the Northeast or the Great Plains, you're looking in those cases for severe thunderstorms, severe weather, you're looking for that shear. You're looking for that change in wind uh, speed and direction as you go higher up in the atmosphere. Um, But it's totally different for hurricanes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hur- hurricanes want ninety degrees and like no wind over you know the Caribbean or the southern you know part of the Atlantic Ocean. I mean that that's that's their area to really get going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and and the whole idea. I mean, they're they're feeding off those warm, moist waters and and that humid air, and they're just building those hot towers really high up into the atmosphere, and then, you know, they start spinning. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean pretty much and, and you know that's you know a lot of forces that go into what makes them spin but i'm pretty sure i mean it's all just coriolis force for the most part um to get those things starting to spin and then there's more processes that you know continue to increase that spin and, and speed it's just a big positive feedback right now now along those along those points so mike you also don't want to be too close to the equator because then you get you don't get the spin, so you kind of want to be in that ten to fifteen degrees latitude before you know. If you get any uh, less than that, then it's it's a tough time um, because you, you do need that turning of the Coriolis force to get things going. And I think there was a storm actually quite recently that actually got very close to the equator. It might have been out in the Pacific, but I can't remember. Do you remember what that was, uh, Kyle? Yeah, I think it was really only like a year or two ago, but yeah, it was think off the south american coast and it got like really close to the equator which is again super rare because you don't really have the spin you need it the vast majority of cases from the coriolis force so yeah that was definitely an exception it's pretty weird stuff yeah i can't remember exactly where it was either it, it might have been more in the central pacific but um possibly like south of hawaii which is kind of strange out there anyway but um but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> getting off on a tangent there, but I just, um, you mentioned the equator thing and I just thought of that storm that was like, man, that was really close and was very rare to have that happen. So, you know, you know, while we're talking about that, there's something uh, that a lot of folks ask, not only me sometimes about hurricane season is what happens when a storm goes from the Pacific to the Atlantic or vice versa? I mean, it actually changes its. Does it change its? Yeah, I think it changes its name. Correct. Um, I mean that's pretty rare that that happens, but I believe so because I'm pretty sure there's a different list. It's definitely a different list. It does get a different name. Um, the problem is it's very hard for it to do. Um, because there's a lot of mountains in Mexico. Um, and for the storm to survive as you know an intact entity. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I think it happens more from Pacific to Atlantic, but again, not exact storm itself, but like you'll get the moisture and you'll get energy that kind of falls apart as it goes into Central America and the mountainous part of like Southern Mexico. And then it evolves back in the Atlantic where, you know, the Bay of Campeche is so warm in there and it'll it'll spawn a, a brand new system, of course, and it will get an Atlantic name. So, but I just wanted to cover that quick. <laughs> Yeah, two two separate names, that's for sure. And while we're on names, um, it is it is quite interesting. I was looking at the list a little bit this year. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw a few names on there, and I didn't know what they were going for. I, sometimes I feel like they have like a, um, almost like a theme going on. <laughs> and I saw Fiona, and I saw Gaston. Gaston. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, okay, wasn't it Princess Fiona in um, Shrek? Oh yeah, I think. And then Gaston. it was uh, Gaston was in um, 
Beauty and the Beast, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, are we going for like a kids animated uh, theme here uh, <laughs> with this season's names? Um, but from what I can see, that that was the only two that started, um, you know, throwing yeah. a trigger for me. Well, and for our listeners too, I mean, the the Hurricane Center recycles these list of names every six years. But of course, if one gets retired by the World Meteorological Organization, and uh, like there's a couple of new names I remember, I, I don't remember. Like um, I think Ian doesn't that take the place of Igor? I think um, I can't remember of Ivan. Maybe? maybe Ivan. Yeah, I knew the eyes name. I name is new. Um, yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Ian in a yeah. very long time. It seems like a new one. So Martin. It seems like Alex and Bonnie have been around forever. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I always remember that. Oh yeah, Alex is back, or Bonnie's back this year. Well, if you if you think about it, it is very difficult right, to get those to first uh, yeah. A or B storm to be retired, um, because typically that happens early in the right. season. A lot of times they get sheared apart quick and they're weaker, so it's hard to get a memorable destruction. Uh, yeah, I think the only A storm was retired. Allison. That was actually a tropical storm, but it it flooded out so much of like southeast Texas. I mean, we're going back, I think, to the nineties, but yeah, you're missing a big one. Oh yeah, of course, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, I don't know what what cycle of names that was in though. Uh, you know with the six year cycle, but uh, yeah, I forgot all about Andrew. Yeah. Jeez. How can I forget about Andrew? Isn't it 30 years? Uh, 92. Was it? Andrew was a long time. Yeah. It might've been. Yeah. yeah, You're right, Mike. It might've been about 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Kyle's over here. Like I'm not even (laughs) Andrew. What are you guys talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Hurricane Andrew, August, uh, Homestead, August, 1992. Homestead, Florida. Um, yeah, I mean that was that was a very memorable. I mean, obviously I wasn't down there, but I just remember the coverage of it, um, and and it was so such an impressive storm that intensified so quickly at the last second when it went over South Florida, um, actually to a Category Five. And then it made it all the way to New Orleans too. After that, not as bad though, but still. I just remember uh, there's there's a couple of YouTube videos out there that you probably should uh, check out if you're listening to this podcast. I, I don't know exactly the names, but if you search Hurricane Andrew uh, in the eye or anything like that, or, or Hurricane Andrew wins, I think there's some video of like people inside a hotel and um, they're walking through the stairwell and you could just hear the, the raging and the whistling of the of how f- strong those winds were outside. And it's just so impressive. Well, speaking of names, though, you know, this is the second year now that we're going with the supplemental list. If we do get all the way past, um, what is it, Walter. Um, and like we said earlier, a couple of years ago, we almost exhausted the Greek alphabet. So I guess they, they've come out now with a stable um, just year, uh, Greek alphabet or not a Greek alphabet anymore. Just have a supplemental list instead. Um of uh, names in case we do get past Walter. But last year, thankfully we didn't have to go into that list. <laughs> Hopefully this year. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. For, uh, for, for as impactful as last year was, there weren't like an excessive amount of storms, like everything definitely shut off at a point. Um, yeah, it kind of did. I do remember. Yeah. remember it was already all the way, it was pretty active all the way through September. Then it just like hit a wall and that was it. Yeah. It just shut yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. It was done. But there were some memorable ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously memorable storms. You had Ida, um, you know, last year that, you know, impacted the Gulf uh, Coast right around Louisiana. And then it, it traveled all the way up, you know, through the spine of the Appalachians, Ohio Valley, and then in through 
um, New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and there was actually a tornado outbreak with it as it rolled through with the remnants. And then the flooding, of course. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, actually, I think in our uh, our WeatherWorks um, training sessions for summer weather, um, not long ago, we just talked about that situation and and how crazy and and anomalous it was as that moved. Well, through. the the, unfor- the real unfortunate part was it was so deadly. I mean, it it killed more people here in the Northeast and Jersey, New York, than it did where it made landfall down along the Gulf Coast. And again, because of the flooding, it's just you know it was a bad time when the flooding occurred in the middle of the night like that, and just uh, it was just uh, it's just horrible. <clears throat> And there was even her. What was it? Hermine too. Yeah, there was another one too. Yeah, that that caused a lot of flooding uh, in the area. Am I got? Do I have that right? I think so. I, they might be Henri. Henri, was it? Henri. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, it's, it is Henri. Yeah. Her, see, I got goofed up because I'm looking at Hermine on the list. Yeah, on, on the list. Yeah, here, yeah. <laughs> on the new <laughs> list. So yeah, Henri. Sorry about that. I think they used that one not too long ago, actually. So, so while we're on that topic, Kyle, how does that work now? Let, let's, let, I mean, Mike and I, of course, have a, <laughs> know how it all works. But explain to our listeners, you know, with the trough ridge pattern, what happens now when we get a hurricane that, you know, maybe travels all the way across the Atlantic from off of Africa and it develops as it moves westward. Now, let's say it gets into the Gulf of Mexico. What are the options here? What are we, what are we watching for? I mean, this year... There aren't too many signals that would kind of lead to one particular track or the other in the Gulf. So like favoring a track towards Texas or favoring a track towards like Western Florida. Um, But yeah, I mean, the fact that there aren't really too many signals kind of shows that there really can be storms anywhere in the Gulf this year, especially considering how warm it is. Uh, There has even been some like tropical development teased at by like the uh, the the GFS, GFS. which is, I mean, it's it. It's probably out to lunch, but I mean, it's it's happened before. There have been like tropical storms forming this early in the Gulf because it's so warm. Um, but I would say there aren't any inclinations that it's going to be as hyperactive down there as it has been over the last couple of years because they've been getting hammered over the last couple of years down there. Um, right now, I mean, the biggest signal that we're seeing, which is definitely like on the anomalous side, is a big high pressure over like the Northern Atlantic and Nova Scotia kind of pushing into Northern New England, which does favor um, East Coast landfalls on the East Coast. Yeah, because a lot of the time what happens is those, st- those storms will try to recurve and they just kind of hit a wall. Um, so, yeah, that's not and to what, say. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I'm just trying to clarify for some of the listeners out there. I mean, as far as a recurve, um, basically, we're talking about a storm that is moving uh, to the west through the Atlantic, and then typically after a while it gets caught up um, in the flow that's coming from the west and, and kind of gets pulled to the north and curves out to sea. So when he's talking about a recurve, that's what he's talking about. And when he's running into a wall, <laughs> the wall is that big high pressure that yes. you just mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And that's not to say that there won't be recurving storms. I mean, that's just... It's all timing, right? That's kind of... Yeah, that's that's just kind of the path of least resistance. Like they want to do that. Uh, there's probably also going to be a bunch of storms curving out into like the open Atlantic. Um, there isn't there isn't like a particular path to do so. Maybe towards like the Azores, like all the way out there in the kind of central to eastern Atlantic. But yeah, there's there there's definitely a heightened risk for some east coast impacts because of that big blocking high. 
Yeah, it was quite interesting um, when I was helping to put together our hurricane forecast and I was looking at this, the analysis that you and Kevin came up with and to see those anomalous areas that kind of lead into you know, the eastern half of the United yeah. States basically <laughs> was was I, caught my eye right away because usually you have something in the Caribbean or the Gulf and you have something like a recurve yeah, situation, exactly. you know, towards Bermuda. And then this one, I was like, oh, geez, that looks like it's kind of favored to go more towards an impact track, you know, rather than the curve out. So in the years that I've been doing this, which, you know, it, I mean, it's it's a good it's a good amount of years, but <laughs> I don't want to say I'm too old, but I don't remember seeing a track map like that. I think that last year, looking at uh, last year's outlook, there was kind of like a high in like the central Atlantic and a little bit of like a trough towards the Azores. So you'd have like this kind of favored recurve track and then this favored uh, open Atlantic track and then kind of this opening in the Gulf for storms to move through. But yeah, this year is a bit different where there's just this very big signal for kind of storms to be forced towards the coast, not necessarily to impact the coast, but it seems like this year there's a, a bit of a higher probability than uh, than we would normally expect for sure. Well, thanks for uh, being the uh, doomsayer <laughs> uh, for the whole East Coast. Now everybody's going to go freak out because they listened to the podcast and they, and they saw about, oh my gosh, uh, East Coast is going to be under the gun. But, you know, it's not to say that, you know, yes, there's going to be a direct impact, yeah, you know, yeah, by exactly. a major hurricane in, you know... Uh, Virginia Beach, you know, uh, I'm not, we're not saying that. We're just saying that, look, <clears throat> the pattern can favor storms that are going to be closer to the coast and possibly make impact. You know, to, to say where that's going to occur at this point would just kind of be irresponsible, but at least we have a general idea uh, of who might be more favored uh, to see some of these impacts. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, it's even the same kind of thing uh, during the winter where you can point out like a very favorable pattern for like a large winter storm. But if Boston's going to get hit or New York City or D.C., like who's to say? Um, but there definitely is a, a heightened probability for kind of more impacts than normal this year. Yeah. And it is interesting, too, that, you know, as of late, our hurricane tracking and hurricane forecasting is getting much better. And especially as of late, I know, I think they're actually reducing the, the cone that, that you usually see with the storm tracks. And um, right. I mean, and if you see over the years, that cone where that hurricane is, is forecast, it, has gotten much smaller in just the you know maybe the last you know 15 years yeah i was gonna say if you go back to 10 15 years you can see the difference yeah i think now it's like instead of forecasting the track like like forecasting the track is generally uh, a good bit easier because it's just a matter of where uh, like the steering winds are which you can you know forecast using these high and low pressures what's really difficult is getting the strength right that's still that's still a big challenge uh, because a lot of the time storms can intensify super rapidly and it's really, really tough to predict when that's going to happen because a lot of the processes are 
really complex and we're still kind of doing research on them as we speak. Um, but yeah, track wise, we've definitely gotten much better at that. And, you know, uh, one thing, uh, you know, I used to go to classrooms and stuff and, and uh, you know, talk to the kids and talk to them about weather. Um, you know, I would ask them a question. What do you think is harder to predict, a tornado or a hurricane? Of course, all their hands would go up. It's a hurricane. It's a hurricane. I said, no. I said, uh, actually, a, a tornado is harder to predict because I said, you know, we don't know where the tornado is going to form. We have a good idea where there could be a tornado, but the hurricane's out there. It's out in the open. There it is. We have... We know the storm is there. We actually know how strong it is. Yeah, it could get stronger, could get weaker, but you know, we have a good idea also where it's headed. And like Mike was just saying, and Kyle was just saying, you know, it, that that room for error has that gotten smaller and smaller, and that's great. Yeah, I mean, so that's um, again, I mean, a, a real real big advancement here uh, over the last several years is that track forecasting. But like Kyle said, the intensity is another thing. There's a lot of times where there's underestimates, I feel, uh, on intensity. I mean, I, I believe that might have happened with Hurricane Michael not too long ago. Yeah, there were a lot in the Gulf that did that. It might have been Laura, was it, Laura? That is possible, too. That rings a bell. Um, but I, I know that a lot of those storms have intensified rapidly, you know, and it's some that is definitely if you're ever monitoring a hurricane for your area, um, if this hurricane is strengthening as it's moving into the coast, that's something you never want to see. Yeah, it's definitely worse. Um, that's the worst case scenario. You don't you don't want storms to be strengthening as they as they're making that landfall. Um, fortunately, uh, a lot of the storms that impact um, further north here are typically in the weakening phases up here in the northeast. It's running into that wind shear. Yeah, and, and you know they're making a transition um, from the tropical characteristics to uh, more of a synoptic, uh, you know, mid-latitude weather system. Um, so, of course, there was one big exception though with that, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, of course you have Sandy. Um, that was a, a giant anomaly um, where, I mean, you had a big trough of low pressure diving through the Ohio Valley and, and into the Appalachians, and it kind of just sucked Hurricane Sandy back into that trough. And that was that that was that high bridge, that bridge that bridging high over New England, also that kind of that Kyle was talking about. Yeah. So I mean, obviously not to say. Uh, anything like that is going to happen but i mean that's why you kind of don't like to see that because it 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 increases the amount of time that you have for like an interaction like that to occur again it's it's also like that in the winter too a lot of the time those highs just slow everything down and they kind of let stuff congeal we gotta get rid of that high <laughs> <laughs> or it's gotta move somewhere mike's got yeah. his stories about sandy though i wasn't at weatherworks yet but I was down south. I was still down south. That was a crazy night, honestly. I mean, never really experienced that. Was it, that was a Sunday night, wasn't it? Or was it a Saturday night? You know what? It might have been a Saturday. I I don't I honestly remember. I know I was working. We had to stay in a hotel nearby the office um, because we knew that there was going to be road closures from you know trees uh, down and, and power lines and things like that. And there certainly were, but... Uh, 
Yeah, that was one one crazy morning coming in um, in the pre-dawn hours because, you know, we had power because we had a generator, but then uh, we had issues with the internet because all the power, all the lines were down. It's hard to get um, observations so, and forecasts out and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a good situation when you have um, one of our backup internets working, which is fantastic, so we can still get out forecasts. Um, but then you're also using your phone's LTE or 4G at that time um, to try to get some sort of information. And then once you did get on something, all the stations were down anyway <laughs> because the power was knocked out to, you know, all of <laughs> New Jersey and uh, Long Island and all these places. So you, you couldn't get observations in. And then I thought to myself, too. Um, okay, I'm going to make this forecast. I'm going to send it out. But is anybody going to get it? <laughs> Be because of the power outages and everything else and the downed internet. So, um, yeah, that was one crazy uh, uh, circumstance, that's for sure. Um, so let's hope, uh, Kyle, that the whole Sandy scenario doesn't <laughs> doesn't go ahead happening. You know, everybody's going to lock on to that and say, oh, they're saying that it's going to be a Sandy scenario again. Everything's compared to Sandy, yeah. Yeah, no, that 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 was a real uh, that was a real freak occurrence. I mean, something like that happening could pretty much only happen like October or later because that's when you get like the stronger uh, like synoptic weather as well. Like, right, like Mike said, the trough. Yeah, like something like Sandy could not happen in the summer. It's just impossible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just don't have that big upper level low. Yeah, um, exactly. To, to provide that cold air. And, and don't forget on the back side of Sandy was snow in the yeah, Appalachians. Yeah, like record-breaking snow. Uh, and I'm talking like 30 inches of snow in some yeah. spots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, meanwhile, up here in the Northeast, we just got the wind and, you know, we might have had like one to three inches of snow and but we just had not one to three inches of snow. Sorry. One to three inches of rain. But the uh, but the surge uh, into the coastline, you know, flooding the subways and tidal uh, surge. Yeah. New York oh, my City God. And and uh, and the wind damage with 80 mile an hour gusts. Um yeah, I think there was even like 80 mile an hour gusts out to like Allentown, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, that's pretty far inland to have that type of wind. And um, I think what helped that whole situation is that you didn't have the wind around a compact core like you would in a hurricane. Um, because it made that transition um, to more like a giant nor'easter. You know, so when it made that tradition transition, then you know, the wind field spreads out more and then you're getting these wind gusts of, you know, 60 to 80 miles an hour over a much larger area than just, you know, a 50 mile wide, you know, diameter near the core of a hurricane. So, so let's wrap it up real quick here for the hurricane outlook. So uh, Kyle, just give us a quick breakdown, quick summary, real quick, um, in case somebody's just getting into it now. Um, so, Pretty much, uh, we're looking at a slightly uh, above average hurricane season in, ter in terms of name storms. Again, we're going between 15 and 19. Overall, um, it looks like the East Coast is probably at the highest risk of like above average impacts. Uh, that's not to say that the Gulf can't see impacts as well as they always do. 
Um, but it looks like the pattern that we'll be seeing with, uh, you know, a big high over like Nova Scotia and, and the North Atlantic is definitely going to favor uh, impacts towards the East Coast. So not to say that we're going to be seeing the same kind of impact as we saw last year, which were pretty substantial with, you know, Henri and Ida. Um, but again, there is a heightened risk uh, for something like that to occur this year. Well, thanks a lot, Kyle. We're going to go into the summer outlook for all you out there who are looking for the heat and humidity and, and all that fun thunderstorm activity that'll come with it. Stay tuned for after this break, because we'll talk more with Kyle Leahy, one of our long range meteorologists here about the summer outlook. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello and welcome back to The Weather Lounge. Our topic today is the hurricane outlook for the Atlantic and the summer outlook for here in the Northeast. And uh, we have already covered what's possibly going to happen this year in the Atlantic for the hurricane season, uh, the first half of our podcast today. Uh, so for our second half here, we continue with meteorologist Kyle Leahy, and uh, he's got an update on uh, what to look for this upcoming summer here in the Northeast. He and Kevin uh, Winters uh, put this outlook together. And uh, so, you know, with the La Nina, of course, uh, we talked a lot about that with the hurricane outlook, uh, Kyle. I guess that has a, a lot of uh, bearing on what's going to happen for our heat prospects for this year. Yeah, so generally speaking, uh, La Ninas tend to favor kind of hotter and usually drier summers throughout uh, most of the U.S. and El Ninos usually leads to be, uh, uh, they, they usually tend to be cooler and wetter. Um, and again, even though the Ninas in, probably going to be in the process of weakening as we head through the summer, uh, that lag is still going to, you know, lead to the Nina that's kind of happening now impacting us uh, over the next uh, two to three months. So, Kyle, is there anything, you know, that could possibly, you know, throw this Nina into more of a neutral state faster or are a lot of things supporting it, you know, kind of hanging on long enough? Um, there's actually been kind of a renewal of uh, the Nina, um, which is quite rare around this time of year, um, but it's actually kind of dug its heels in a bit. So if anything... We're probably looking to have it kind of hold on a little bit longer. So if you look at those um, those plumes uh, of different kind of uh, ensemble members, which is basically one model is initialized and they kind of tweak um, the model a little bit and run it a bunch of different times. Uh, it looks like we're probably going to be heading towards those kind of cooler members rather than the warmer ones, only because the Nina is really kind of uh, setting in a bit. So it's, it's probably going to be more, um, of a kind of typical Nina summer throughout much of the U S but it's really going to play more of a, play more of a role kind of farther out West. It seems. As long as we get rid of this negative NAO that we've been dealing with all spring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's talk about that a little bit real quick, Kyle. What happened in the spring? I mean, we had a couple of mild days in March and then all of a sudden everything just kind of went downhill and we actually I think got colder in April. I think it snowed more in April than it did in March. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what ended up happening was uh, for pretty much all the winter, uh, we've had a really strong polar vortex up in the stratosphere. And what that does is that it kind of encourages a strong polar vortex where we live in the troposphere. And when you have that strong polar vortex, a lot of the cold air kind of 
stays up by the pole. It's really difficult to dislodge it. And that's why we had a pretty warm February and a pretty warm start to March. But what happened was um, that polar vortex up in the stratosphere weakened very rapidly and the winds actually ended up reversing. So that led to the polar vortex down here weakening quickly. And we ended up getting a big blocking high over Greenland, which ends up forcing this big persistent low pressure over like the uh like nova scotia and kind of poking into new england so that's why we had a lot of very cold weather relative to average and yeah it's not very common that that happens i mean it's been happening over the last few years but uh it was uh it was very anomalous it's something that uh doesn't really happen too often. So, yeah. so we kind of still in that pattern now, just because we're in the May and June, it has to warm up anyway, but it, it looks like it's kind of backed off a little bit now. And like you said, it's, you know, more La Nina anyway now. And, and, you know, is this, does this kind of trend going to continue? Is that why you're maybe thinking it's going to be maybe more cool shots versus hot weather this upcoming summer? Um, I mean, it looks like we're going to see a bit of a reversal uh, with the NAO. It seems, uh, but also kind of as you get into the summer, a lot of those uh, teleconnections like the NIO don't really hold as much weight because a lot of the wavelengths uh, get shorter, uh, which pretty much just means, you know, like the, the dips in the jet stream get a lot, a lot shorter. Yeah, we don't get the big, long, you know, troughs mm -hmm. uh, and big, long ridges, you know, that, yeah. you know, build up a big area of warmth or a big area of cold. Yep, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the reason why this summer could have some cooler shots isn't necessarily because of like cold air diving in from Canada or anything like that. It's probably going to be because of just how wet the summer looks, you know, like it's 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 tough for the summer to be that warm if there's a lot of clouds and precipitation. Hmm. So what's um the big contributor to bringing all this wet weather over the summer? I mean, you're kind of alluding to a, a wetter than normal summer, at least, you know, east of the Mississippi. Yeah, so most of that, like a pretty big contributor is probably going to be tropical activity. Oh, here he goes with the tropical stuff I know. on the East Coast again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> There's really not too many uh, dissimilarities from last summer, really, where it was it wasn't like strikingly warm during the day, really. Um, I mean, pretty much the reason why last summer was so warm was because of how warm it was overnight. It was so yeah, like it was so humid and there was so much moisture in the air that it was really difficult for it to cool down very much. Like there were a lot of loads in the 70s and stuff like that. Last summer, I don't remember any long duration, like hot spells. Yeah, we get a couple of days worth where it got to 90 in the low 90s. But, you know, until you got down to the deep south, it just seemed like, you know, maybe one or two hot days and the front will come through. And then we start the process all over again. And, and you know, I just I don't remember any like, oh, my God, it's hot and humid for the last month. And it's just that didn't happen. Like, I think you're right that those overnight lows is what kept the average temperature above normal versus, you know, maybe the high temperatures were actually below normal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, we've also kind of seen over the last, I mean, this, this, this pattern has been occurring for a while, but there's like this persistent, like Western Atlantic Ridge that's been there for, I mean, like the last five years, really, it's, it's been pretty persistent. And a lot of the time that 
kind of clockwise circulation helps kind of promote like a lot of southerly flow, which leads to a lot of moisture. Um, so as I have to say, there aren't going to be some heat waves. I mean, just given the climate that we're in. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when all said and done, I don't really see too much of a departure occurring from last year's, uh, well, last last summer's weather, it seems. Um, but this just brings back memories of, of, geez, my parents never had air conditioning. Um, and I know I'm, you know, maybe I'm spoiled now because, you know, a lot of people do have it. But um, I just remember all they had was like a big fan upstairs, <laughs> upstairs. And it was like into the ceiling. So it would like suck in the cooler air from the outside. And during those heat waves, like it was awful to start out the night and it took until like, you know, about the time you needed to wake up for it to start finally cooling down, you know, because the lows got down to like, you know, 65 or 70. But um, I'm just envisioning that when you're talking about these warm nights and humid nights. And I'm just like, I have that entrained in my head, just laying there and <laughs> dying. That's kind of already <laughs> happened. That's already happened. I think Boston what, uh, in the middle of May had uh, just a couple of weeks ago, their overnight lows, they broke, I think, two records in a row where their overnight low didn't drop below 65. And that was like... Yeah, I I can see it being like another kind of summer like that. Right, so you wonder if it's setting up something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it'd be like those nights where, you know, it's 930 at night and it's still like 80-something degrees outside. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're going, oh my God, how's it still so warm when it's, you know, dark? Yeah, exactly. Um, like but... it's... It's really tough to drop the temps when the dew points are like it like around like seventy. It's just there's just so much moisture in the air. All right. So in general, for the United States, we're talking about above normal temperatures. Um, talking about some, you know, humid, sticky nights on the East Coast. Um, out west, I mean, I imagine all the heat that's going to happen out there is not going to be beneficial. Yeah, it's probably going to reinforce like the drought conditions that we've been seeing. Like a good amount of the desert southwest is in like exceptional uh, exceptional drought. Um, I mean, last year, like the Arizona New Mexico region did get a lot of help from the monsoon. Uh, they recorded a pretty wet summer uh, compared to average. So there is a chance that they could see some relief uh, with that monsoon, but it looks like. Um, in terms of the driest weather and the hottest weather, it seems like we're kind of settling around like the northern Rockies and kind of plain re- uh, plains regions. Plains and northern Rockies. Well, hopefully that monsoon will come into the desert southwest uh, sometime in July and help them out a little bit, um, you know, with some uh, more rainfall and maybe a little quench on the drought there uh, just a little bit, you know. Uh, Anything like some, would help out there, yeah. Yeah, like some Gatorade for it, you know, thirst quencher. Um, <laughs> that was a bad joke. Anyway, um, but um, so that's what we're talking about out west. So what are we talking about for severe weather? I know it seems like um, severe weather season has been pretty active so far. Um, yeah, in the spring. So what does that mean, you know, going into the summer? Um as, as, as we deal with those severe weather and flooding threats. Yep. So in terms of severe, um, it looks like um, kind of 
the general pattern that we're going to be seeing throughout the summer is you're probably going to have like a weak western ridge as well as again that persistent ridging over like the Nova Scotia area and a lot of the time what happens is you'll end up getting kind of energy rolling over that ridge um, into the kind of upper midwest and northeast kind of like what we saw a decent amount of the time uh, last year we had a lot of events like that where you'd have kind of energy rolling in and then you'd get kind of like a squall line or something like that there were a lot of surprises last year well the rachos last year i remember yeah yeah exactly yeah, that's what it's kind of i'm envisioning when i'm thinking of what you're explaining i'm like oh no Hopefully that doesn't mean a, a few Doritos that develop on the north side. <laughs> Doritos? I'd like Doritos. I didn't say Doritos. Oh, Doritos. Oh. You know, those big windstorms uh, <laughs> from thunderstorm complexes that last for like 250 miles. Yeah, I mean, there there aren't any like striking, um, like severe, like analogs or comparisons or anything like that, but... I could envision another pretty active year for severe weather, like similar similar to last year. Um, but again, I'll, like a good amount of the severe events that we saw f- from last year were due to the tropical activity. Like uh, you had stuff with Elsa, uh, where you had the storms firing out ahead of that. Ida, of course, um, there were all the tornadoes. So that's right. We had supercells with, uh, ahead of Elsa, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That. That's when there was like the tennis ball sized hail in yeah. uh, in Bergen County, I think. Well, heck, uh, not too long ago, we just had uh, some giant hail <laughs> um, going down DC, happened, yeah, uh, yeah. south oh, of yeah, DC yeah. into uh, the Delmarva Peninsula. There, they, I think they had two to three inch diameter yeah, hail. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep, yep which they, is uh, very rare for down that's there. pretty hard to do up in this neck of the woods. I mean, yeah, we can get that out in the Great Plains, um, but man, that storm. Uh, Really did some work. I think it was probably the only show in town. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, aside from that uh, kind of bust of a day, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, there was a severe weather outbreak uh, around the middle Farther of May north. that was, uh, you know, forecasted to be rather substantial. <laughs> May sixteenth, uh, um, to be exact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I, I always see that um, that meme uh, online that has like the 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 chair knocked over in the guy's backyard and it's like, we will rebuild, you know, that sort of thing, you know, really. That's more the hurricane one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, Hey, as forecasters, we see it all uh, as meteorologists. We, we know the criticism out there. Don't, don't, (laughs) we've heard it all before. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of media hype going on around that uh, outbreak too. Um, And a lot of places, you know, it was a little bit overdone, but, um, well, the severe um, weather was kind of displaced about a hundred miles north of here, or it was yeah. more up towards like, uh, upstate New York and parts of New England. Um, but yeah, I mean, the potential was there. We saw the signs, we saw the signals and you got to forecast for what you see. And, and, uh, sometimes it doesn't always, you know, weather nature's got the final say. And just remember if you do ever see some crazy headlines coming out i mean that's just a practice in watch out for the hype um you know if you ever see something like millions of people to be impacted by damaging winds or something like that you know maybe go and uh you know get a more reliable source to look at you know maybe your local news guy or whoever it may be might be a guy like weatherworks I didn't say weatherworks. You said weatherworks. 
I'm not putting in a shameless plug. We are reliable. <laughs> we are reliable. <laughs> okay, so I am putting in a shameless plug for Weatherworks. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, just head to a reliable source and, you know, kind of investigate a little bit because, you know, you got to be prepared and you got to be prepared with the correct information too. Um, so severe weather threats, um, we kind of covered here for the summer, um, flooding. I imagine that's going to fall along the lines of what happens with the tropical, uh, disturbances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be a pretty big part of it as well. Uh, I mean, if you do get even one, uh, not even an East coast impact, uh, you can have storms that, uh, kind of make landfall in the Gulf, like, uh, like Ida did, and you just get. Uh, kind of a surge of moisture. So really only one or two systems can really skew a summer one way or the other. So it wouldn't really take too much. Um, so in terms of flooding, there, there's definitely a heightened risk this year, I think. Um, a lot of the analogs that we've been looking at are like very wet for pretty much all the East Coast, like generally like one to three inches of precip, like above average. So they're there's there's a good signal um and yeah so i think in yeah in terms of flooding it's uh could be uh pretty similar to last year and usually and, and usually it's the rainfall rates that does it kyle right i mean it's 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 yeah of course you know you get two to four inches of rain over a 24-hour period you're gonna get some big time flooding as well river flooding and stream and creek but it's the other ones like what i'd you know there were there was rain falling two to four inches per hour in some places in northeast new jersey and, and i mean i think i think i saw a report someone got like five to six inches within an hour and that's not that's just like you can't deal it you can't it cannot it cannot drain that fast it just you know, it just goes everywhere yeah i mean think about how 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 strong of a rate two to four inches an hour would be in a snowstorm right you think know, about you get that two yeah. to four inches an hour in a snowstorm you're going holy smoke um but really the liquid at a two to four inches in an hour in a snowstorm is probably 0.2 to 0.4 um as far as the actual liquid that's there so we're talking about two to four inches of liquid but how much snow would that be mike 20 to 40 inches of snow oh, yeah 20 to 40 inches in an hour right think yeah. about that um so obviously that's not a situation that's going to be going down um for you know the fact that cold air can't hold as much moisture as warm air and, da, 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 and yada 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 it won't happen uh <laughs> oh we saw it happen yeah yeah but uh but yeah, I mean, you know, the, those those rates are crazy sometimes, and and Brad brought up a, definitely a good point for those poor drainage areas. Um, you really got to watch them when you're having those high rates. Right, and you start hearing terms like flash flooding use, and that's when you really got to, you know, think about you know getting to higher ground or getting out of some place that may flood pretty quickly. I mean, look at that. What was that? Uh, the town in Maryland, uh, Ellicott City. I mean, yes twice in what four years and i mean it's just uh and i'm sure every time there's like you know thunderstorms coming through that area the, the folks there have got to just you know be on edge i would imagine yeah that's for sure and uh with all that rain in the forecast for those of you battling your lawn here in the spring <laughs> it doesn't look like you're going to get much of a break here uh, i know i'm struggling to keep up with one cut a week on my lawn because it's growing already like, yeah Oh my goodness. I mean, um, I know it grew, uh, 
in the matter of maybe three days, um, I saw it was growing enough where it could have been cut again. Right. Well, with the cool start to summer, it was it was a slow process. But then you're right. As soon as we got that first humid, warm week, I mean, everything just went boom. It's like pollen, leaves, grass, everything just blew up. All right. Well, so that's the summer as far as um, we've covered so far. And so, Kyle, hottest month, what are we looking at? Um, hottest month for like the East Coast is probably going to be June, it seems, because around that time, I mean, at least compared to average. Okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, like usually July is the warmest because, you know, at that point, everything starts to warm up after the sun's the highest. But in terms of compared to average, it seems like June because, like, by then, the tropics don't really, you know, fire yet. Um, and it doesn't look particularly as wet as um, July and August. So I guess those two factors are probably going to lead to it being warmer than average, uh, more so compared to uh, uh, July and uh, uh, july and august yeah well then, then of course we're getting more into tropics then too like you said so yeah yeah yep yep and hit us with the wettest month uh compared to normal probably august i think august and yep tropical i got it we're getting closer to the heart of the season so gonna be a uh a wet august that's for sure um but hey I think that pretty much wraps it up uh, for this episode of the podcast. Kyle, thanks a lot for being with us today. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Pleasure. Yeah. And of course, thanks, uh, Kevin. Uh, Well, let's give Kevin Winters his uh, due also. He's not with us today, but he also uh, helped uh, Kyle with the uh, the outlook. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have Kevin around into the fall, too. And uh, both Kevin and Kyle may join us again for the uh, winter outlook isn't that right mike (laughs) yeah that's 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 possible hey and that's not coming up too much longer no come on no no yeah no i mean our first look at it's in august i mean that's only like i'm calling out sick that month 90 days uh um but that pretty much does it for the weather lounge podcast so again a big thank you to kyle Leahy, one of our meteorologists for Uh, being a guest on our podcast today. And remember, you can visit weatherworksinc.com to learn all you want to know about us and visit Weatherworks Inc. on social media too. We're on all the platforms out there. We have a new episode of this podcast every two weeks. So please come back and listen to new ones. And we're on every podcast platform that you can find. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, the list goes on and on. And I think... uh, our good old production manager, uh, Mike Priante, seems to find a new one almost every other two weeks. So, <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.